Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. We're starting off this morning with Representative Mark Lawson out from Glenpool, Bixby area. Good morning, Representative. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me this morning. Well, thank you for joining us. We understand that you have a new little one at home. I do. I do. Uh, Little Miss Ivy Ruth Lawson is celebrating Uh, her six-week birthday this morning, and uh, she is just the apple of my eye. Her mom and I are so in love, and unfortunately, I think Ivy knows that already. She knows (laughs) that I'm wrapped around her little finger, Uh, but she is as as beautiful as can be, and we are just... uh, in love. Oh, well, congratulations. Fantastic. We're happy for you guys. Well, um, as if, as if, um, a new baby isn't enough. Um, we wanted to visit with you about, uh, the election season campaigning this sure. year. Uh, I presume looks a little different for, uh, politicians in Oklahoma than it has. You first ran four years ago, correct? Yes. So correct. talk to us about what that looks like this year. How are you reaching constituents? Yeah, well, you know, it, it is, uh, significantly different than the past two election cycles that I've been a part of uh, because of the coronavirus and uh, people being encouraged to uh, stay home, especially those that are over 65 mm-hmm. or have uh, some sort of underlying health condition. Because uh, the the traditional way to reach constituents, of course, is to uh, be door knocking mm-hmm. this time. And uh, to be uh, just safe and, and sensitive to constituents who may not be uh, wanting to accept visitors or people yeah. on their doorstep. Um, phone banking has um, really taken more of a central role in the campaign. You know, with social media, uh, you can you can reach a, a large group of people, uh, but but of course not everyone is online mm-hmm. or uh, engages in social media. But there is. Uh, there's a lot of different ways, you know, there's direct mail, there's, uh, you can do some fundraising letters or just some, uh, some different pieces of mail to communicate. I try and write uh, a column or so in the newspaper and in, in the mm-hmm. areas that I serve. Uh, and like I say, we've got some phone banking that we're making some good use of this year, but it, it definitely is different. It's always good to go and visit with people face to face and uh, just reintroduce yourself and get a chance to visit with them on their doorstep of what issues are important to them and what they hope to see the legislature do um, during the next term. Uh, but I, I'm finding a good success on the phone, um, just people uh, people wanting to talk. And, um, you know, of course, too, with so many people out of work, because um, the younger generations are more likely to be on social media Mm-hmm. And with those that uh, have been spending some more time at home uh, throughout this, there has been, uh, in my opinion, um, a better reach on social media, mm-hmm. um, especially with the unemployment issues. I've had a lot of constituents reach out to the office and able to kind of communicate uh, with them better on social media this go round than in years past. But it's definitely different than the past two cycles for sure. I'm sure quite a learning curve. And, you know, at the OEA, we're all about learning. <laughs> so um, what what has been your biggest learning curve uh, being a relatively new legislator? Yeah, well, you know, and and 
looking back on it and so many of the uh, lobbyists or people that work for the different agencies have been around the Capitol for a long time. And I, I find a little comfort in knowing that the last four years has really been kind of unprecedented and just yeah. not a normal kind of cycle. Um, and ignorance is bliss, I think, in, right. in my <laughs> position, is when you don't know any better, you just you're prepared to kind of show up and get the work done. Right. Um, but, it, it, you know, it has, you know, in, in 2017, the first year that I was there, of course, that, you know, the state had been facing years of uh, fiscal instability. Um, the economy was struggling a little bit. You know, there had been there had been uh, very steep cuts to a lot of agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go into 2018. Of course, we had our teacher walkout. We remember. Uh, we <laughs> we had remember. special yes. sessions. We were know, there. there was a, a, a concurrent, a concurrent session going on. Uh, you know, 2019 was kind of a honeymoon year. I mean, things went fairly smoothly. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this year with, you know, the price of oil, which is really an international thing. Uh, yes driving further driving down the price of oil, but then uh, the COVID-19 outbreak and, and people um, being out of work. It's, it's, it's been a learning experience every year that I've been there. Um, That is an eventful four years. You know, it it has. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but, (laughs) but I've said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to see what, what a boring year looks like. I'm willing to experience that. And, (laughs) But it's, um, you know, it it has been definitely a learning experience. I would say, you know, kind of a mantra that I use um, every day uh, is, you know, nothing is ever as good or as bad as some people want to say it is. Um, Now, that's not to take away from the hard work that a lot of our that our advocates and and our constituents, of course, um, you know, but it's 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 all about hearing both sides of every issue, Mm -hmm. you know, really looking at an issue, taking a step back and saying, you know, how is this going to affect the state in the big picture? How is this going to affect my district? What does this mean for my constituents? And with everything, I, you know, I don't, I don't care what it is. There's going to be some good. There's going to be some bad. Right. Uh, but just to keep a level head and keep an open door policy too is, is really been probably the, the best um, tool uh, I would say as a legislator in my four years is hear both sides of it, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, to let someone come and kind of tell their story and, and, and give you the details of why something is good or why something is bad. It just makes us better legislators. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps us to communicate with our constituents uh, who are calling with questions or, uh, you know, sometimes things get out or not all of the story is told, uh, whether it's, you know, whatever form of media it's in, social media, print media. Uh, but just to be able to talk to the people that are experiencing uh, whatever it may be, whatever mm-hmm. the issue may be uh, from both sides um, so that we can make the or, or I can make the best decision possible for for the state and for District 30. So when you think about, I mean, it, it's so much to balance on so many votes that you have to take. What what are some votes that stand out to you? What are things that you are proud of? Votes that you've taken? Yeah, I you know I had focus on kind of children's issues, children right. and family issues, right? And that was that was really a, a big part of why I ran in sixteen. You know, the main reason was that the state was just kind of in the in the, in the fiscal spiral. 
And I, I wanted to not sit on the sidelines and point fingers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to jump in and, and be a part of the solution. For sure. But my, my background with uh, youth services of Tulsa, youth services of Creek County, I was mm-hmm. at Creek County CASA, mm-hmm. um, and uh, had worked with Sepulpa Public Schools on a couple of bond elections that they had had, uh, I believe, in 2014. Um, and hearing from families, you know, the, the amount of uh, kids that we had on free and reduced lunch, you know, just kind of piecing yeah. these, these things together, looking at, at that picture that, you know, some of our families are struggling to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, you throw a COVID-19 on top of it, where if they are in the workforce and they, and they lost that source of income, that's even uh, more of a struggle. Yes. And I've, I've wanted to focus on that. You know, I say I say that that really is where uh, we're going to get better as a state. You know, the stronger that our families are, the better our state will be. And speaking to, to you guys as educators and education advocates, you know, I think that I think that you'll agree that d- despite all of the hard work that our teachers and our administrators and our school districts do to take care of these kids, if their needs aren't being being met at home when they leave that school building, you know, their, their chance at success, their chance of performing well in a classroom uh, are greatly set back. Yes. And so working on some, some reform there uh, with our family and with our children, I've done some juvenile justice stuff that I've really kind of spent the last couple of years diving into working with the Office of Juvenile Affairs and the Oklahoma Commission on Children and Youth. Uh, one of them got through, uh, the others got sidelined, but uh, House Bill 1282 was signed into law this year. And that's saying that children 12 and under are not to be put in juvenile detention unless all other options are exhausted, explored and exhausted. Thank and, you. and if the crime is just so serious and heinous and the kid is such a, a, a threat to himself or others, um, and that go, that goes into ACEs. Um, mm-hmm. For those that are yep. listening, those are the adverse childhood experiences. The very short uh, <laughs> summary of that is uh, stressful events in a kid's life. And the, the more trauma they're exposed to, the more cortisol that they have uh, running through their body. That cortisol, of course, stunts uh, brain development, the parts of the brain where we make wiser decisions, better decisions, not just impulsive decisions. And that's that's really a goal that I've I've been focused on since I've been elected. I've got some other bills that that passed the House and they just kind of stalled in the Senate, understandably so, under the circumstances sure. this year. And that's to make sure that no kids under eighteen are in adult jails. That we need to put them yes. in yes. juvenile detention for those over the age of twelve, but under the age of eighteen, yes. uh, and just for for their safety. Uh, a lot of our deputies at these county jails are just not trained sure. to to supervise juveniles. Um, unfortunately, we've had a few instances where juveniles that are separated by sight and sound, which is federal a federal regulation, um, have ended up hurting themselves or kill, killing themselves because they weren't uh, they weren't being supervised uh, because those that staff is of course trying to uh, supervise and 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 manage the other population that's mm-hmm. there in the jail and so anything that we can do you know, again to just keep kids safe to keep families strong to keep kids at home in loving safe homes so that whenever they exit that home they're they're in the best position possible to learn um, to to graduate to get some sort of post secondary education 
to enter the workforce with with some sort of skill or sort certification to become self-sufficient. I just really feel like it all starts there uh, in the young years. And so I've done several bills over the years uh, that I've either authored or co-authored to kind of advance that cause. So um, we we love all of those issues and want to hear more. What would you say to educators as they're looking to uh, go to the ballot box and vote? Um, what message would you give them? Yeah, I would say, you know, give me a give me a shout, you know, reach out, reach out to my office if you're on the fence, if there's you know some sort of issue. Uh, that's going to help them make a decision. Really, that's what this job is all about to me and what it should be about for my colleagues is is representing the people uh, back home. And the best way for someone like me to know what is important to a constituency and and really to an individual, but maybe it's a group of people like educators is, is reach out, you know, give me a call, send me an email, shoot me a text, uh, let's talk about the issue. Uh, that is that is what I would say to them. Is I've I've tried I've hold, held that policy for the four years that I've been there. I try to make myself very available. There's no topic that is off limits uh, because there's a chance that I'm going to have to vote on something. You know, sure. uh, right. whatever whatever the topic may be. And and the the best way that I can represent the people at home is to hear those stories. To hear. Uh, the points of view of the different people that I represent at home. I've got an open door policy and 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 willing to talk about anything uh, in a in a very professional, civilized way. You know, I, even if I disagree with you at the end of the conversation, uh, I owe it to you to hear your to hear your side of uh, of the story, to to give you your time to express your concerns, and then give you that feedback. If if I do disagree with you of of why and and. and how I've how I've come to a conclusion that I've come to, and that's what I would say. That's that's why I, I think I deserve your vote. Is I've I've always been available to constituents, and and willing to talk about whatever the issue may be, because ultimately that's my job. So these are such unusual times, and as we're wrapping up the school year and moving into the summer, and I mean right now, educators and support professionals are looking ahead to the fall, um, and what school will look like. What message do you have for um, educators and support staff right now in these unusual times? What what methods do I have? I'm sorry for methods for what message do you have for educators and support professionals in these unusual times? Is there something you'd like okay, to me- message? Yeah, sorry, yeah, message. I like <laughs> said message. I'm like methods for what? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, uh, message. I would say that I'm so proud of the work that they've done uh, to go from, you know, Hey, we're back from spring break and we're going to wrap up this school year, uh, you know, kind of that downhill, it's all downhill from there to, well, wait, we're going to send everybody home and we need to figure out how we're going to deliver education to these kids. Uh, do they have internet? Do they not have internet? Are we going to feed them? How are we going to do that? And just the, uh, the flexibility that they showed and, and really carried that out, um, was just tremendous. And that has not gone unnoticed, um, that there's never been a question that, uh, they were committed to their kids, 
there's no doubt that they're, you know, they're thinking about them, they're worrying about them and their families uh, over the past two months since since this huge change has come about. And to just, you know, to, to keep it up, to, uh, to, to keep up the great work. I know that there's been a lot of like CDC guidelines being thrown out there of, you know, what to do. All kids over two wear a mask and space desk six feet apart. And you're like, well, what are you going to do? You know, build a second story or a loft and, you know, throw these desks somewhere, put a kid out in the hall, put a few kids outside. Uh, Those are struggles and they're real. Um, But just know that, that we in government are aware that some of those are just very, very um, unlikely to happen, but we want to support you. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want to be there as a resource for you. We know that uh, a lot of this is uncertain. And, you know, are we, are we going to go from two teachers a day to just one teacher, you know, half the kids come on this schedule and the other half come on the other schedule. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty from us as well. But the, the best way I think we're going to get through this is to continue to communicate with each other. Uh, you know, to please reach out to us with those concerns. If there's anything we can do to support you or to help, we want to know. So keep up the great work. And, you know, if, if I can do anything to help, please give me a call. Well, I, I will say from the first time that I met you uh, at a function that we sponsored at a Mexican restaurant in Bixby with a with a bunch of uh, folks uh, up until mm-hmm. today, you have shown yourself to be a champion for kids, and um, and we appreciate that. Well, thank you, thank you very much, and thank you for taking time to join us, Representative Lawson. We're impressed that you are awake and um, <laughs> and, and and able to answer questions so yes. well. That was that was not me at six with six week old. Yeah, baby, so. well, <laughs> well, if I have anything else that I think I need to, uh, you know, it, need to say, I'll call you guys at about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Ivy usually wants to play. Uh, that's awesome. really a good time for me. So. <laughs> All right. So last week we talked to we had uh, town hall meetings with our Republican caucus members invited our, um, you know, 50 percent of our OEA is Republican and about 50 percent mm-hmm. is Democrat. So yep. we are evenly split. Yep. And no matter what political affiliation you claim, education is a priority yep. for everyone. Agreed. Uh, Education policy issues don't know a an R or a D or a red or a blue or an mm-hmm. independent. Mm-hmm. So um, we had some great conversations, talked about strategies, and I know you got to talk with one of our members recently. Yes, I uh, just uh, sat down with uh, Leanne Power Jimenez from the Tulsa Classroom Teachers Association. She's a member of the Republican Caucus, so we chatted about um, who they are and what they do. Thank you for joining us. Today we've got Leanne Power Jimenez from the Tulsa Classroom Teachers Association. Thank you, Leanne, for coming and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so today we're going to talk about politics, but um, we, you are a member of the Republican Caucus for OEA, correct? Yes, ma'am. So tell me what is the Republican Caucus? What do you guys do? What's the function of the caucus? Because there are lots of caucuses for OEA. Well, the general function of our caucus is to speak about um, to first of all, to come together in fellowship, mm-hmm. because across the state, it's not known that um, you can be Republican and be in public education. What? Right. <laughs> so that's the our first priority. 
Then we want to also think through how does what is happening in our state government offices affect what is happening in our schools? Mm -hmm. And then how can we affect that as Republican constituents of our Republican legislators? So let's talk a little bit about the first part that you that you mentioned. Um, I think that there's a common misconception that if you're um, in education, there's you you have to be a Democrat, that you're going to be liberal. And that's not really the case. It's not the case at all. And actually across the state, um, we're pretty evenly split. Yeah. I know at least in the association, we're split almost evenly half and half. Mm -hmm. Across the state, there's probably more Republican educators than there are Democratic educators. Uh, The larger cities have um, more Democratic populations, so Uh there would be a little skew there. But across the state, you know, we are in a red state, and that means that a lot of your teachers in the classrooms are Republicans. So why do you think that perception exists? I mean, it it seems like it's some something that you find in and out of education, both that people just presume that education is a a liberal sector. Why do you think that is? And I just, I don't know. It's surprising to me. Right. Uh, It's surprising to a lot of people. Um, I think mainly it's because if you look at the Republican platform, Uh it's not in favor of public education. Uh It's very much about privatization and school choice. Uh But a lot of us have a calling to be in the classroom. Yeah. And when we're in the classrooms on a day-to-day basis and we see what our students struggle with and face, we realize that not every student has a choice mm-hmm. to be in a private classroom. Right. And because they don't have that choice, we need to be there for them. And we need to do the things in our classrooms and for them um, in the other arenas that also affect the classroom as in, or not affect the classroom, affected them. Uh-huh their mental health, their ability to eat and have um, nutritious foods provided for them. All of those things come together. And when you're in the classroom and see that, then you have to put aside the privatization piece and Uh the public, um, the choice piece, Uh and think about what's best for the child. So also from a a fiscal conservative lens, um, why is... Why is it okay to spend money on public education? You know, when you're looking at things from that fiscal conservative point of view, what makes that use of tax dollars a good use of tax dollars? Well, again, if you look at those same students or similar students in the private sector, Mm -hmm. those that have the opportunity, um, there's more spent on them. Mm -hmm. They're doing better because there's more spent on them. Yeah. Yeah. I look at the private schools around the Tulsa area, and one year I compared the price of uh, private education uh-huh. to the state dollars that were given for public education. Uh, oh, gosh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do I even need to go there? Right, you know, right. In order to go, and I can't remember the exact dollars per school, but it was an average of five to $7,000 more yeah. than what is our state allocation for public students. Right. Imagine what we could do if we had uh, $7,000 per student in our classrooms. Oh, my word. That would be almost double what we currently get. Oh, my word. What um, Do you think that um, – is it sometimes hard being a Republican educator um, out sort of publicly? Um, I think if you knew my character, you would know that – I am for public education, regardless of what um, letter stands behind me politically. Right, right. I do have a lot of friends 
that I have um, loyal opposition with, mm-hmm. uh, who are very much conservative. My own family is very conservative. Uh-huh. I argue with my brother, who put his children through public school, uh-huh. about why we should pay for public school. <laughs> so um, he, he thinks that you know my tax dollars shouldn't go to public education. I'm like, Bill, your three children went through public <laughs> education. So um, I I wander off the question. Do you get guff from your from your colleagues? Do you get guff from your family? I get less guff from colleagues because my colleagues are all in public education. Yeah. My family, however, um, yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving, Christmas, all those get-togethers are, are, you know, we've learned over the years to stay away from those. Yeah. Sometimes, though, my brother just has to say something just to see <laughs> if I will respond. Uh, oh, but siblings I never also, change. <laughs> you know, I'm on the board for a couple of other organizations that are very much involved in oil and gas mm-hmm. and or the um, airline industry, uh-huh. air air aerospace industry. Uh And so when I'm in those areas, I have to think through before I speak, how do I want to address certain things? Right, right. Because they know I'm a public educator, Mm -hmm. but I know that they're very much Republicans in general. Right, right. And so that was categorizing them, sorry. Uh, But they are. And so I really have to think through what I say and how I say it before I speak it. And sometimes that's hard for me because I just want to speak. Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) So what about um, when you're with your public education colleagues? Do you, do you guys have those back and forth conversations as well about like, hey, teachers are Republicans too? Yes. And if I hear one more time, Vote blue no matter who. Oh, I've not heard that one. Oh, all over the place. I'm saying this as a Democrat. I really have not heard that one. (laughs) Oh, I've heard it a lot. And um, in some cases, that might be true. Uh But if you only apply that principle across every sector of every political avenue that you're in, you're not going to necessarily end up with better um, leaders in our government. Yeah. You, straight party voting is not a good idea. Right. Everybody's ballot should be a little purple at least. Right. And you need to think through, you know, I'm not, I don't always vote straight Republican. Uh-huh. I'm not going to, I've never shied away from that statement. I always look at the candidate and I look at the issues that really concern me. Right. And then I think through who would be best in that situation. And mostly I'm thinking about the future Mm-hmm. And the students that are in my classrooms are what would be best for them. Yeah. As best for them as they become the leaders in our society. And I right. want them to do what's right for our earth, for our planet, mm-hmm. for our universe. Yeah. What do you, so what would you say to uh, Republican OEA members? Invite them to the caucus? Want them to get involved? Please join our caucus. We meet um, anytime that there is a state meeting of the Oklahoma Education Association. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's an opportunity to meet, we do. We want to um, expand beyond only meeting at times that the state association meets. We'd Mm -hmm. love to have regional meetings of members across the state. Mm -hmm. We're not quite there yet because a lot of Republican educators don't believe that they can say they're a Republican educator in public education. Well, that shouldn't be. We're all on the same team here. We are. All for public ed. And it's an election year, so there's lots of work to be done. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you.
And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. No matter what time of day that you're hearing them, they're still my morning <laughs> announcements. So first, I would like to congratulate, once again, Voice. Voice is organized in civic um, engagement. Sorry about that. Voices Organized in Civic in Engagement is a nonprofit dedicated to the betterment of the community as a whole. And they have received the uh, Tuscahoma Brown Miller Award for Human and Civil Rights. Um, so excited about this because they uh, have been a partner with us and have been working continuously, not only to improve the community and standards within the community, but also um, public education, holding forums uh, on state superintendents several years ago. They, I got I got interviewed by voice when I ran for school board. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they, they are an amazing group. And if you have not been active in voice, you should check them out. In fact, they have a um, an action going on on June 1st, that's Monday at seven o'clock, fighting to avert the oncoming eviction tsunami. Yeah. So they have invited um, allied communities of Tulsa, Inspiring Neighbors, which is the action uh, in, in Tulsa and Voice, uh, have invited elected officials to address the issue of uh, pausing evictions using the Federal CARES Act funds for rental assistance to tenants and their landlords. So um, we would love to have people from all over the state join that virtual meeting on June 1st at 7 o'clock. And we'll put the registration, you have to register for the event mm -hmm. to go on, but we'll put that registration um, somewhere in the podcast area. However, Joe makes that magic work. <laughs> that is beyond my um, intellectual ability. We all have our skills. But I can speak Spanish. <laughs> so um, I'm a Spanish teacher, if you didn't know. Uh, so congratulations to Chris King and Voice for, um, for all the fantastic work that they do. Um, you can go on our website or on our Facebook page, okea.org, or the OEA Facebook page, and uh, watch an amazing video that was put together to celebrate them um, and celebrate Voice with us. Also last week, we uh, actually that was this week, um, so many days pass and, <laughs> and, uh, I've got COVID quarantine brain actually. Yes. Um, but we have been holding town halls, uh, this week to talk about, um, safety issues and mm -hmm. what the concerns are for all of our members, our, our teachers, our leaders, our administrators, uh, members, our support professionals. And, um, and then we also brought in and had a focus group with our new educators of Oklahoma Network, our NEON uh, early career folks. And they really, uh, all the groups gave us some amazing insight into what questions they had, what safety issues they were having. And back to school is, is, I mean, listening in on those is just, there's so many, there's so many issues and I mean, districts all over the state are facing so many different, different kinds of challenges, um, some very universal challenges. And I mean, it's just a fascinating, overwhelming almost and, issue of back to school. And when somebody would ask a question, then that would bring up five other questions yes. that surrounded the answer. It was the for, hydra of questions. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> we partnered with the, um, school nursing organization of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. They, they, their president elect Bev Burke and secretary Tammy Kane were amazing, uh, and answered all kinds of questions. Um, 
about safety and and moving forward. So, uh, so I we're taking. I say all that to say this: <laughs> we're taking all of that information and compiling it and creating a survey that's going to go out June first through 9th for our OEA members. So make sure that you're uh, looking at our our emails that come to you mm-hmm. and and our posts about sending that out and uh, take the survey and let us know um, about safety concerns that you have and and what ways that we can help mitigate. Uh, some of those and get questions answered. Yes. So that that survey will be out uh, the first through the ninth. And then the last thing I want to talk about is caucuses. The last two weeks we've had, um, last week we had our Black Caucus leaders come on, and uh, this week you heard from a Republican caucus leader, Leanne uh, Power Jimenez, and um, and we've got other caucuses, which our caucus uh, groups are special interest groups within the organization that help drive some of the work. And, you know, right now there's a lot of 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 energy out there around things that are happening. And, um, we have, have a calling to do more Mm -hmm. and be more and to be the change that we want to see in the world. I think that, um, that is a, a, uh, heartfelt statement, um, about things that are going on right now. And so, um, I would urge all of our members to reach out and join a caucus. Carrie. I mean, to me, whenever, uh, whenever you're thinking somebody should do something about this, there is a way to do something about this. And I think the caucuses are a great, a great avenue for that um, frustration and that, I mean, just uh, we're all antsy yeah. to work, to do the work and caucuses are a great, a great way to, to do the work with other people that want to do that too. You know, I mean, it's just right now it, it can be overwhelming or feeling like, you know, what could I do? There, there are, there are definitely things to be done here. Right. The, we can talk about it. And we can act on it. Yes. And, you know, we have uh, more, the more you know, the more responsibility you have, I think. Yes. And uh, whether you are uh, an ally or a, um, a member of one of those caucuses, uh, just go on and join and, mm-hmm. and do something about what you want to see changed in this world. I, I know that there are opportunities this weekend to do that in both Oklahoma City and Tulsa and probably in other communities. But that uh, if you want to check out the caucuses, it's okea.org slash caucuses. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. If you have another platform you'd like to see on Fried, Fried Okra on, or if you have any other questions, reach out to friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.